Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program... So now we have spent around a decade uh, and our focus is to make every farm uh, predictable, uh, traceable, sustainable and profitable. So that's, that's the mantra we go with and our focus is to improve per acre value for the ecosystem. That's after these headlines. Instagram's head Adam Mosseri said the Facebook unit will pause development of a version of the photo and video sharing app targeted at children, dubbed Instagram Kids. Instagram will continue to develop the app with parental supervision features, Mosseri said in a blog post yesterday, and also argued that YouTube and TikTok had children's apps. The Verge points out that pausing development of the app comes after the Wall Street Journal published a series of damning reports into Facebook last week. These included a story revealing how Instagram's own internal research suggested that the app made body issues worse for teenage girls. Google went to a top European Union court yesterday to appeal a record EU antitrust penalty imposed for stifling competition through dominance of its Android operating system, Associated Press reports. The internet search giant is fighting a 2018 decision from the EU's Executive Commission, the bloc's top antitrust enforcer, that resulted in the 4.34 billion euro or $5 billion fine, still the biggest ever fine Brussels has imposed for anti-competitive behaviour. It's one of three antitrust penalties adding up to more than $8 billion that the Commission hit Google with between 2017 and 2019. The others focused on shopping and search, and Google is appealing all three. A decision from the European Court of Justice's General Court is not expected until next year, according to Associated Press. Reliance Industries is in talks to invest as much as $300 million in Glance Inmobi, a lock screen content provider backed by investors including Google, Bloomberg reported yesterday. The transaction could be completed as early as in the next few weeks. The deal would give Reliance access to lock screen content for its affordable smartphone that it is co-developing with Google, which is expected in the market next month. It would also give Reliance access to Roposo, a short video app that Glance Inmobi owns at a time when the category is growing rapidly in India. Meanwhile, TikTok, the Chinese short video phenomenon that is banned in India, has crossed 1 billion monthly active users, the Wall Street Journal reported, citing a statement on the company's website. That marks a 45% jump from July 2020, according to Reuters. Adoption of analytics and AI accelerated during the COVID crisis and the momentum will continue right up to 2030, the Harvard Business Review said in a post yesterday, citing multiple industry surveys. For example, 52% of companies accelerated their AI adoption plans because of the COVID crisis, a study by PwC finds. And 86% said that AI is becoming a mainstream technology at their company in 2021. Harris Pohl, working with Appen, found that 55% of companies reported they accelerated their AI strategy in 2020 due to COVID, and 67% expect to further accelerate their AI strategy in 2021. 
In the wake of the crisis, 72% of business leaders feel positive about the role that AI will play in the future, a survey by the AI Journal finds. 74% not only anticipate AI to deliver more efficient business processes, but also help to create new business models, 55% said, and enable the creation of new products and services, 54% said, according to the HBR post. Cropin is an advanced cloud software platform to manage multiple aspects of the agricultural supply chain, from farm management to finance and insurance to understanding and mitigating the impact of climate change on crops. I spoke to Krishna Kumar, who co-founded Cropin some 10 years ago, about the company's agri-tech products. Here's more from our conversation. Uh, Krishna, welcome to this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. And uh, for folks uh, who are uh, not familiar with your work, of course, within, within the agri-tech world, uh, your company is now well-known. For people who are not familiar with your work, uh, maybe you could start by telling us about uh, a bit of the background, what triggered the idea that became uh, crop in technology. Uh, I believe you were working in GE at the time after engineering college. Uh, maybe you could talk about that and we'll go from there. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Arik. So I started my journey uh, fresh from college, got into GE, uh, General Electric uh, Indian Innovation Center and uh, uh, joined them as a graduate engineer trainee, then moved into software engineer and very quickly <clears throat> moved into their uh, leadership program called IMLP, uh, uh, which was more of a rotation uh, with, within the organization, uh, different verticals. And uh, got an opportunity to learn not only the tech side of it, but also the business side of it. So that's how I started my career. Uh, you know, in GE, we used to focus a lot on data and uh, uh, data and how to use data to influence decisions. And one of, uh, one, of, one of the key things we used to work there was Six Sigma and Lean Six Sigma. So how do we improve your process? How do you, you know, make process more lean? And how do you make your uh, factories profitable, basically, right? So how do you make every prof uh, process which is contribute, contributing towards the productivity? So... <clears throat> And at the same time, I was also learning, you know, reading about uh, agriculture and the plight which we have. So we have a headwinds in agriculture, right? So we want to feed, uh, you know, a 10 billion population by 2050, but math doesn't add up. So the natural resources are degrading, soil strength of uh, producing more is also coming down. Uh, global warming is, seen, you know, contributing towards the change in temperature, which is then, you know, adversely affecting the agriculture in terms of yield of pest and disease or, you know, untimely rain and flood. So all these things are <clears throat> things where, you know, uh, uh, impacting agriculture. And then we want to double the food production, which was, uh, which, which was of a concern. And a lot of reports uh, uh, from the World Bank or FAO uh, was very, very concerning. Uh, and we, you know, one of the thought which got instigated in my mind, if we can make every factory profitable using data and science, why can't we replicate that in agriculture? Right. So, uh, and even if you look at every piece of land or asset where the crop grows, is there like a factory? You know, it produces something out of it, and then uh, and uh, and then the processing happens. So that was an idea, and we and when we looked around, you know. Uh, 
we didn't see a lot of technology which was getting adopted in agriculture. Probably there was no technology which which was uh, in the upstream, and that was that that's really instigated to build something like Propin, which has a which is a platform approach, and which has the ability to not only manage the you know farms but also influence the outcome at the farms. So that's how the genesis of cropping happened uh, back then, and yeah. So, so that's uh, that that's the uh, that's the history of cropping. So now we have spent around a decade, uh, and our focus is to make every farm, you know, uh, uh, predictable, uh, traceable, sustainable, and profitable. So that's that's the mantra we go with, and our focus is to improve per acre value for the ecosystem. And when we say per acre value, uh, that means it's a shared value, right? So there is a value for the farmer because he's getting better yield or a better crop, better realization in terms of income. For the ecosystem players, like the guys who are interacting to buy from them are getting better quality produce for their consumers or better quality, uh, you know, better quality for their processing so that it, they can turn into a uh, sec- you know, secondary good, which is sold in the market, right? So, so they can promise traceable product, quality product, and fresh product, and also safer product. So that's how <clears throat> that's uh, uh, you know uh, uh, brief of cropping how it, uh, how it got uh, uh, formed, and then uh, what is what what is our mission, and what are our values? Yeah. So we are a two hundred people organization. We are headquartered in Bangalore. We have got subsidiary in Amsterdam and uh, Singapore. Uh, we have uh, uh, and uh, we have people on the ground. So we have people in Southeast Asia, uh, Europe, uh, Latin, Africa. Hmm. Uh, tell, tell us about uh, your first uh, uh, minimum viable product that you came out with, and then maybe you can also talk about uh, your products today. I mean, smart farm, smart fire, all of these. Yeah, yeah. So, so when we when we started, uh, we started interacting with the industry as well at the same time, and we were very sure that we will go B two B because it's a very difficult proposition to go and directly work with the farmers who are spread across the globe. So we have five eighty million farmers globally, and out of which five hundred million farmers are smallholder farmers, and we saw there is already an infrastructure uh, either by government or development agencies or by enterprise who are I mean, engaging with these farmers uh, on the ground, and we said, can we build <coughs> build a platform which help these enterprise or agencies uh, to make a better reach to the farmer, and using this technology, they they should be able to influence the outcome at the farm, right? So, so we conceptualize uh, a platform. We called it at, at that point of time, Smart Farm. Now, you know, smart farm, you know, you can draw an analogy to Salesforce, right? So in Salesforce, you decide the whole sales journey. So uh, enterprise adopts it, enable his field, field sales team with the mobile application, and then the field sales team goes to, you know, every sales point and then decides the interaction. So we, it was very, very simple approach. We said all the pen and papers, Excel sheet, cut-based decision-making will, will bring it to the platform. So we'll make, make make the discussion happen in the upstream of agriculture. Uh, and if you look at Salesforce, so the enterprise becomes an ag enterprise, uh, enterprise or agencies who are working with the farm, uh, farmers. The sales guys, you can replace them with the farm managers and the sales point as the farmer and the uh, 
the uh, the plot or the uh, where he's growing his crop, right? So uh, that's a parallel we can draw to. So so we build this platform where these agencies can onboard hundreds and thousands of farmers on the platform. Now this platform also allows you to con uh, you know config hyper configure uh, the crop which which is grown locally. So you may have an organization who has operations in multiple countries, but the way we'll do certain crops will be very, very different uh, in India uh, versus uh, Indonesia versus Latam or versus different part of the world, right? So the potato are grown very differently because of the climatic change or the package of practices it will require or variety you are trying to grow or the soil type, right? So how do you build a complexity, which is very simple for organization to configure and, uh, and create localization within their uh, within the platform? So, so basically, you are uh, you can create crop program basis the the crop and variety in the location, and you can run that program, multiple program on the platform. So that was the first capability we built. It was allowing them to <coughs> digitize the farmer, uh, digitize the land land record um, where the land belongs, and then the they're marking the boundaries and which crops and varieties farmer has taken up, and then basis that. It will automatically start triggering the advisory part, right? So, what the farmer should be doing at after ten days or fifteen days, uh, how much uh, you know fertigation or how much irrigation is required, when the roguing is required, depending on which crop, there are different practices they need to follow for better quality. So, they were able to influence that. At the same time, it was also building the traceability for you, so you know where your crops are growing, where, and you can go back to your customers and promise traceable and uh, safer food. Uh, for for them as well. Now, if you look at from the farmer point of view, he has got many challenges. Right? So there is a pest and disease. There is a climate. The climate is shifting. Uh, the yields are low, and because of this intervention, the companies or the agencies and organizations are able to work very closely with them. For example, let's say if you if you are doing a potato and there is a there is chances of a you know, uh, frost in the morning. So the system will predict and let the 11 people know, including the grower, that what you should be doing in the morning uh, uh, because there is a frost tomorrow in the morning. So you should sprinkle water in the evening, uh, day before. So the stress will not be much. Or it can predict what disease can hit your farm in the next 15 days. What yield you can expect basis that, you know, the conditions at the farm. So, so we became more predictive and prescriptive for the customers, and that's how we started creating value for these guys. But then later point of time, uh, even if we ship this product to multiple countries. So today we operate in 52 countries. Uh, we manage around 400 crops, 10,000 different varieties of the crops in these, these countries, around 16 million acres uh, is managed on our platform, and which is uh, around 20 billion worth of food crop is getting produced. Now, every season, this, these farms are generating data. And there are 400 different crops, and there are so many climatic zones and soil type. And we said, can we invest in AI sciences and data sciences to understand, uh, to learn from it, and provide that learning uh, and the predictive and prescriptive insights to the customers. And we brought you know, satellite inputs as one of the uh, data sets we brought weather data if there's a sensor on the farm that can be ingested or drone generating data so we build a convergence of data on the platform while they, the farmer is doing farming and the farm manager is digitizing the data or 
taking observations for the company uh, or their audit and compliance perspective. But then we build another layer of insight, which where the models are running and telling you which portion of the farm. So let's say if it is a one acre farm, can we divide that acre of land into 10 by 10 meter and uh, give the insight to the grower and to the farm manager and to the organization that these farms were under stress and what's the reason behind it and what should be our action plan. So, so we started investing in those directions and we, we built intelligence layer on top of it uh, by fusing all these data sets uh, from private and public data sets, which we, we ingested on the platform. And we started working, and in this journey, we started uh, working with the food agri and the life services like CPG companies or retailers or food processors or seed manufacturing companies or you know farm equipment companies. So all the guys who were interacting the farmer started wanted to have a CRM which can influence influence the outcome at the farm, and they wanted to use our services. But then the capability of you know uh, understanding the crop and the uh, knowledge graph. Uh, uh, of of those crops helped us to you know started you know open up a new dimension for us. So we started working with the banking insurance because they're underwriting a loan, but they don't understand the crop better, the risk better. So we started uh, building models for them uh, to look at the farm not only from today but also historic historically what has happened on the farm and bring out all the risks so that they can do the underwriting and then give them capability to monitor those assets during the during the tenure of the loan, right? So which can accelerate this financial inclusion. So now the, the bank doesn't want to lend because uh, you know the risk is very high, but can we bring down that risk using alternative data? And that's how we got into the banking insurance side of the businesses. And the government and development agencies are the large uh, you know, uh, pa partners in agriculture and they work on food security, uh, you know, uh, uh, use our platform to build climate resilience in agriculture, supporting the farmer, how to deal with this changing climate or the you know, land degradation or deforestation use cases. So we are not just working on the agriculture, but we also took a step up and said, can we look at, can we make this planet a better place to live? And agriculture, you know, 18% uh, carbon is uh, introduced to the atmosphere because of the agriculture. Can we fix that portion? Or can we uh, make farmer more advanced in terms of uh, you know adapting to the climate change by changing their practices? So you know the, a lot of different dimensions were built on this platform. Today, you know we have the world largest uh, crop knowledge graph uh, from 52 countries, which is helping us to build AI models, and we have built the capability to map a country and pinpoint which plot is doing what, which crop, and what has been the history of that. Plot, right? And that's a very, very powerful information for many of the actors in this uh, agri-value chain to take decisions, whether it's a government, whether it's an enterprise, whether it's a banking at the macro level. right? So we can we can provide insight at the micro level at the plot, uh, at the 10 by 10 meter pixel, and we can roll it up to a pin, uh, village, pin code, district, state, and the country as well. To give you an example, we recently processed Nigeria for the to detect where are the weeds growing, what is the health, what will be the yield, and when we got the results uh, of our models, uh, we saw that one of the state, which is a Borno in Nigeria, uh, they were the largest uh, weed producing state, and, and the country depends on wheat a lot. But this year, uh, they are not going to get a enough volume because farmer has fled in that region. No sowing has happened. Our model was saying. 
you know the uh, you know the volume will be half of what we have expected and what it has been the state has been delivering from uh, past years and the reason was the insurgency so if you can light up this intelligence at the right time a lot of actors can take right decision in terms of import export or the price leverage uh, recently we processed bangladesh to detect paddy and one of the flood resistant variety uh, for one of our customers and we didn't plot by plot so we had, we built a capability to compute a country now uh, like india or uh, bangladesh and nigeria we are doing a lot of work in us uh, latam and also the, some part of the europe so we are build, building the you know general ai capability so you are training the model and then you are transposing the model to different part of the world as well and that is happening very very quickly because your models are now less hungry for data it has been trained and it is looking for very less data to perform in other countries as well so so you know uh, we are building a, the transfer learning capabilities as well so these are some of the work we have done and we call this uh, the second dimension of the product as called smart risk which is uh, which has a, a capability to generate intelligence at the pixel level the uh, climate change are tracking uh, efforts that you talked about can you tell us a bit more about it what kind of models have you been able to build and uh, are you able to point us to any early benefits that people are getting out of it in terms of making their crops more resilient to climate change yeah so let me first explain how how this is impacting agriculture this climate change so one is <clears throat> one is because of uh, rising temperature right so because of the rising temperature uh, and it, it, it's a it, it's publicly has been stated that one degree change in uh, temperature will bring down the capability of the major crop on which world depends by 15 to 30% so productivity will be down productivity will be down by 15 to 30% of those crops now we want to double the <laughs> crop but then there is a headwind of the you know global warming which is impacting the crop the second impact is on the pest and disease because of this rising temperature uh, you find find more of this pest and disease attacks on the farm which is again impacting your quality and the volume of uh, production the third is a un, you know the sowing sowing uh, sowing timelines are shifting because of the untimely rain and not enough water uh, water tables are going down the soil degradation has happened uh, right and then there is a carbon sequestration and the, the carbon is uh, getting released uh, uh in the atmosphere which is also contributing to the uh to the global warming and as i mentioned 18% of the carbon con- contribution is just due to the agriculture so how do we how do we take control of this and then there is a flood right so uh which is impacting uh, impacting the you know the food security so now if you have that view and how science can play a role so we have started building models on early detecting the disease one is that you detect disease when it happens but can we can we uh, detect the disease much before let's say 15 to 20 days before it occurs in the farm looking at the conditions around the farm and then uh, letting the grower and the uh, the organization know that your 10% farms looks like there could be a late blight with probability of 90% or 80% or 60% so they are very very watchful and they can control the disease much in advance now if the area is very flood uh, you know there are a lot uh, that times the flood comes in uh, can can we teach the farmer to adopt a, a flood resistant variety uh, example could be what what we are uh, where we worked with one of the organization 
uh, where they are uh, doing this boro rice uh, uh, boro rice program, which is a flood resistant variety. Now, one is that you give those varieties, but then the farmer also need to be assisted how to adopt those varieties and how should they deal with that changes. So that's where the technology platform comes in, where you know the adoption and handholding also happens. Uh, we start. We did this. Uh, uh, we started working with one of our partners for Rainforest Alliance, which is one of the largest uh, cocoa uh, certification body and sourcing uh, sourcing body. And we worked in Africa again. A couple of things. One was, uh, can we early detect one of the diseases which is impacting those crops? And uh, and also to detect those crops because these are forest crops, and uh, what is the total acreage uh, within that forest, which is cocoa, and then can we detect the age so that we can also take a decision of replanting it for better ease and productivity. Uh, we are part of World Economic Forum, where uh, it's a public partnership, public and private partnership, where we are one of the technology providers, and the Europe wants to go, you know, carbon neutral by 2013 agriculture. And so for that, you need to monitor the carbon, right? So, uh, and then, uh, and then certify that what is the carbon emission, and then you have to help the farmer to adopt practices, which will fix the carbon on the ground, and then you incentivize them. So that's the program. Uh, and by 2030, the, uh, the promise is that we'll make Europe farming, you know, completely uh, zero carbon farming. So these are some of the initiative and uh, we have taken. Uh, we predict about you know untimely uh, rains and uh, impacts of it. For example, if it is going to rain, you should not be applying your pesticide or fertilizers. Uh, or if there is going to be a some kind of extreme cal calamities, we provide those intimations as well. So we the science is helping uh, helping to detect it early and then adopt to that particular situation. Right. And then we are trying to fix the problem from where it is originating, which is the global warming, where can we adopt practices which will sustain the ecosystem for a longer. Right. So this is two way. So one, we are dealing with the problem today. Second, we are trying to fix the problem. Third, we are uh, able to you know, work on some of the futuristic uh, uh, problems of tomorrow as well to, uh, to conclude. Yeah. Excellent. Uh Many thanks again, uh, Krishna, for making time for this. In the interest of time, we'll have to stop this conversation here. Uh, I definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ali. Thanks. That was Krishna Kumar. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.